Our gospel lesson is from the Gospel according to John, the 17th chapter, verses 20 through 26. I'm not praying only for them, but also for those who believe in me because of their word. I pray they will be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. I pray that they also will be in us, so that the world will believe that you sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me so that they can be one just as we are one. I'm in them and you are in me so that they will be made perfectly one. Then the world will know that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you loved me. Father, I want those you gave me to be with me where I am. Then they can see my glory, which you gave me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, even the world didn't know you, but I've known you, and these believers know that you sent me. I've made your name known to them and will continue to make it known, so that your love for me will be in them, and I myself will be in them. It's the word of God for the people of God. There's a story that Max Lucado tells. He uh, came upon a, a gentleman on a trip who was carrying a Bible. So Lucado asked him, are you a believer? The man said, yes, excitedly. But Lucado had learned that you can't be too careful. Virgin birth, he asked. I accept it. Deity of Jesus, no doubt. Death of Christ on the cross. He died for all people. Lucado thought to himself, could it be that I was face to face with a Christian? Maybe. Nonetheless, I continued my checklist. Status of man, sinner in need of grace. Definition of grace, God doing for man what man can't do. Return of Christ, imminent. Bible, inspired. The church, the body of Christ. Lucado started getting excited. Conservative or liberal? He was getting interested too. Conservative. Lucado's heart began to beat faster. Heritage? Southern Congregationalist, Holy Son of God, Dispensationalist, Triune Convention. That was Lucado's. Branch? Premillennial, post-trib, non-charismatic, King James, One Cup Communion. Lucado's eyes missed it. He had only one other question. Is your pulpit wooden or fiberglass? Fiberglass, he responded. Lucado withdrew his hand and stiffened his neck. Heretic, he said, and walked away. <laughs> We divide ourselves over some of the silliest things sometimes. Uh, whether it's, it's a fiberglass pulpit or a wooden pulpit, or whether we sing contemporary hymns or traditional hymns, or um, you know, there, there is something about humanity that just loves to, to pick sides. If you don't believe me, walk into any living room in the southeastern United States in the middle of football season and tell me I'm wrong. People will divide themselves. You know, your Auburn or Alabama, your Mississippi State or Ole Miss, or your LSU. Um, you know, the, we, we, we want to divide ourselves. We, we want to get with our tribe. And, and, and we want to push the, the other ones out. And when we're talking about football teams or, or baseball teams or sports stuff, that, that may not be such a bad thing. There, you can have a lot of fun with, with team rivalries. But when it comes to our witness as Christians, it becomes a different story. We are at the end of Jesus' prayer 
for the disciples the night that he was betrayed. For the last three weeks, all of our lessons have come from Jesus' last night with the disciples before the crucifixion. Uh, the first two weeks were Jesus talking to the disciples. And now in chapter 17, Jesus turns to praying for the disciples. And not just for the disciples, but for us as well. He, he prays for them, not unlike those of you who have been parents and grandparents prayed for your children and your children's children before you even had them. You know, you were praying for, for what they would grow up to be like and how, what kind of people they would be. And, and Jesus was praying for his church, which had not yet come to be, but which he knew he had been sent to start. And so he prays for them because he knows that unity is important. And he knows that there is something in us that doesn't like that. After all, his, his 12 disciples, John and James, had already, depending on which gospel you read, either John and James go to Jesus, wanting to sit at his left hand or his right hand, or their mama goes and talks to Jesus for John and James. Um, and I'm not sure which of those is the more likely, the, the historically accurate version, but in either case, it doesn't reflect well on John and James. <laughs> They want to be the top dogs in the kingdom of God. They don't understand that the way you get to be top dog in the kingdom of God is to get on your knees and start washing feet. You want to be number one in the kingdom? Start serving. And they don't get that. And so obviously the other ten, when the other ten figure out what John and James have been up to, they get upset. I don't think so much that they thought that John and James were, were all that out of line. I think it was more because of the fact that John and James thought it first and beat them to it. But there were seeds of division, even in the 12 disciples. Those seeds were there. And so Jesus prays for us on that last night that we might be one that we might be one as he and God and the Holy Spirit are one. Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit, three persons but one God. An ever-flowing love between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And they want us to be characterized by that as well. But we struggle. We struggle. There's the, a um, German philosopher, Schopenhauer, who compared the human race to a bunch of porcupines huddling together on a cold winter's night. He said, the colder it gets outside, the more we huddle together for warmth, but the closer we get to one another, the more we hurt one another with our sharp quills. And in the lonely night of Earth's winter, eventually we begin to drift apart excuse me, and wander out on our own and freeze to death in our loneliness. Anytime we bump up against each other, we have the potential to hurt one another. We are like those porcupines. We've all got our quills. And anytime, I don't care who you are, anytime you put two people in a room together, you're going to have conflict. At some point. 
no matter how well matched those folks are, no matter how much they love each other, you put two people in a room together, at some point they're going to disagree on something. But it matters how you disagree with somebody. You know, God, God could have made us all alike. He, he could have made just a, a, a whole army of people who, who all look alike and dress alike and like the same things. And how boring would that be? He made us different. And that's okay. But we need to be aware of the fact that we have quills. That we are, you know, on some level, porcupines. And that we can hurt each other, sometimes even when we don't mean to. You know, we may be huddling together for warmth on a cold winter's night and accidentally go jab, and somebody gets hurt. But it hurts our witness as a church when we do that in the church. You know, pe people watch us. Um, I, I, I have a wide variety of friends on Facebook. And I mean a wide variety of friends on Facebook. These are folks that I've known. Some of them are people I knew in high school. Some of them are people that I've met along the way. I've got conservative, liberal, straight, gay, black, white, you name it. I, you name a demographic, I've probably got them on my Facebook page. And so I occasionally wind up seeing some posts that, that are not real friendly toward Christians. And unfortunately, a lot of times when I see the posts that are not real friendly towards Christians, it's because Christians have been acting badly. And they're calling out the hypocrisy that they see. So folks are watching us. People notice when we don't get along with each other. People are watching to see, are we being the people that Christ called us to be? And it's one of the things that, that concerns me so much about the split in the denomination is the fact that I really feel like ultimately what we are doing is hurting our witness. Because we're violating this one prayer of Jesus. That we might be one. And we're saying, nope, nope, sorry, we, we can't do it, we can't get along, not going to be one. We'll, we'll be one over here and they can be one over there, but we're not going to be one together anymore. We live in a really divided, really fractious society. And we saw it this week with the, the awful shooting in Uvalde. And you've got folks now divided about what do we do? Is it evil? Is it mental illness? Is it the guns? Do we need to legislate? Do we need better health care? And I imagine that the true answer probably is a little bit of all of that, an awareness that none of it's going to solve everything. But we need to come together. We as Christians need to come together in action and live out our faith. We need to take steps to make the world a better place. There's a story about Ben Kingsley, who you may remember starred as the main character in the motion picture Gandhi. He spent months preparing for the role, visiting the various Indian locales Gandhi had frequented. He even learned to spin cotton thread on a wooden wheel while holding conversations, as Gandhi did. 
The physical resemblance between Gandhi and Kingsley was almost startling. After filming a scene in a village south of Delhi, Kingsley stepped out of the car and an elderly peasant knelt to touch his feet. Embarrassed, Kingsley explained that he was merely an actor playing Gandhi. We know, replied the villager, but through you he will surely live again. Does the Son of God live again through us? Is our witness such that others can see Jesus in us? As I count down sermons to go, and it's getting to a very scary small number, I am very aware of wanting to there, 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 in some, there's so many things that I want to say to y'all. You know, I, I, I have a heart full of, of, of years worth of sermons to tell and, and a couple Sundays in which to do them. But this point is important to me. I pray that you will be one. That you at Bird's Chapel will continue to work together, to love together, serve the kingdom together. That you will welcome your new pastor as you have welcomed me. That you will love on her as you loved on me. And that over here in Henley Field, that people will look at Bird's Chapel and say, you know what? Those are Jesus folks over there. That y'all will be known by your love. For you are a loving congregation. And so, two weeks ago we talked about love, last week we talked about peace, today unity. And those are three things that I wish for you as we prepare to go separate ways on our journey. That you would be people of love, people of peace, and people unified in your dedication to Christ. May God be with you. Amen. <laughs>